0: Welcome in to this episode of The Weekly. My name is Aaron Markham and I will be your host for this episode. I was actually just called in to host about five minutes ago. Trevor was supposed to be hosting, but uh, he backed out on us and uh, that is okay because I'm, I'm excited to do this. This is my first time hosting a podcast, so hopefully everything will go okay. Hopefully this intro is not too terribly awkward. But I'm thankful that I have a brother in arms here in the name of Bryce Harrison. Bryce, how are you?
1: I'm doing good. Uh, I have also never hosted a podcast, and neither of us are super technologically savvy, which is why we're repeating about the first five minutes of the podcast that we just started over again. So um, it's all Trevor's fault, but we're here ready to rock and roll now.
0: It is always uh, Trevor's fault. Yeah, I, I, I'm i not sure I hit the right record button. I might have hit the play button. I don't like technology, and I'm I'm glad to claim that. So, we're uh, we're redoing this, but that's okay. All right, Bryce, I um I asked you this question a minute ago, and now I, would, I just would like to ask it again because I think our, our audience will will love it. What is your favorite fast food chain? Give me some opinions on fast food chains because I think you probably have some good opinions.
1: Yeah, I do. I so I um don't get understand the hate that fast food gets. Um, obviously, you don't want to eat it three times a week but
0: is that a bad thing
1: i think so okay um i'll try to stop for that. for your wallet as much as your waistline i mean i'm eating with you out on that expensive um but i i do enjoy fast food on occasion i think it's wonderful um i share that with reagan koshal um, we like to eat fast food we like to watch movies we like to read books we just generally enjoy things unlike Trevor and Jacob Farrell who try their hardest to not enjoy things Um, and so as just an enjoyer of stuff I like fast food Um, I think uh, one that's criminally underrated is Jack in the Box Hmm. I love getting a good burger or chicken sandwich on grilled sourdough at Jack in the Box also I love Popeye's I've always loved Popeye's. Their new chicken sandwich is awesome. Fries are great. But if I have to just pick one because of the inordinate amount of hate it receives, mm. I'm going to pick Taco Bell. Cheesy Gordita Crunch, Crunchwrap Supreme. It's hard to go wrong, and I love it.
0: I have an appreciation for all of those things for a variety of, of different reasons. You were actually the first person I've been to Popeye's with back you know, a few months ago when we got that chicken sandwich and it blew me out of the water. Yes. Um, dare I say it, it was better than Chick-fil-A's chicken sandwich.
1: I'm glad I could introduce <laughs> you to a whole new world.
0: I also don't like Jack in the Box. I think Trevor loves Jack in the Box, but I do have an appreciation for Jack in the Box, for Snowpocalypse. I think it was January 2011 when everything was shut down. We were we just got to Furman and I just got back for the semester and classes were canceled for like the first five days and I don't even know if the dining hall was open so I don't know what we were eating but Jack in the Box in Cherrydale was open so we went there a few times
1: I know exactly what I was eating because my car went off the road driving back to school during that snowpocalypse and I was stranded south of Birmingham in a hotel and had just enough time to get to Walmart before it closed and mm. b- bought enough microwave meals to warm up at the hotel you so gotta, that's you gotta what do I was what you eating, gotta do was bagel pizzas
0: that's great bagel pizzas. That's wonderful. Well, all that aside, I appreciate those opinions, but let's get to our topic for today. So we, this past weekend, uh, had our first evangelism workshop. Um, and so we had a time where we had 17 of us, uh, here at the church office and we were able to talk through evangelism and why we do evangelism and what's the importance and, um, and even go practice, uh, evangelizing. But, to, to kind of get us set up, Bryce, what is evangelism?
1: Yeah, I think put most simply, evangelism is proclaiming good news. Um, evangelism comes from the Greek word uh, uh, euangelizo um, or the noun form of that euangelion, which means good news. Um, and that's what we do. We, we herald good news when we evangelize, particularly the good news of Jesus. Um, I think it's important to remember because when we are evangelizing, we're not twisting someone's arm. We're not being pushy and inconvenient. We are telling them good news that they should want to hear. Um, mm. it's, it's like the good news proclaimed after a, a army has been victorious in battle and someone runs back to the city and says, We've won the the battle's over. There is there is victory. Um, That's the good news that we're heralding. That victory is found in Christ. Hmm.
0: That's good. So evangelism is telling good news. So why exactly do we want to tell good news? Why why should we evangelize?
1: Yeah, we talked about this a little bit in the workshop this past weekend. Um, I think there's uh, three, maybe three primary or, or really helpful reasons for for why we should evangelize. Uh, The first of those is that evangelism is the command of the risen Lord. When Jesus is raised from the dead, he appears to his disciples and the predominant command he gives them during that period before he ascends back into heaven is to go share the good news is to evangelize um john chapter 20 uh, he appears to them in the in the upper room in the in the behind locked doors and he says peace be with you as the father has sent me so i am sending you um he's he's sending them out uh the great commission matthew 28 he tells them to go and make disciples to the to the ends of the earth uh, and again, I think really powerfully in the beginning of Acts, in Acts one, as Jesus is being taken into heaven to return to the right hand of the Father, uh, he says to his disciples um, that they will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they will be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Um, his parting words are: "Is to evangelize, to to be witnesses to the ends of the earth." Yeah, that's
0: really good. That's really really good. I think our, one thing I really appreciated that you um, that you shared on Sunday was just that evangelism fuels our own growth. We have to be able to share the gospel uh, clearly and articulately and succinctly, and attempting to do all of those things forces us to. Um, understand the gospel more clearly and to uh, help our own discipleship to be able to think through oh, what passages would I go to when should I go to those Um, it had me write down like I gotta get back on my scripture memory game because that's just like oh yeah I can go to this verse go to this idea go to this passage when I'm talking about whatever it is creation
1: yeah and I think it I think it fuels growth not just for the individual but it also fuels growth for the church as Mm -hmm. a whole we Mm -hmm. also see in the beginning chapters of Acts Um, so we see that it's, it's proclaiming the gospel message that seems to begin to mature believers like John and Peter into leaders of the early church, but it's also the proclamation of the gospel message that by which numbers are added, um, to, to their gathering daily. Um, so I think that would be kind of the first two big reasons that it's the command of the risen Lord, that it fuels growth. And then I think third, there's just a recognition in the new Testament that the fields are ripe for the harvest. Mm. Um, in John chapter four and, and also in Matthew nine, we see Jesus kind of explicitly using this harvest language. He says like, Lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for the harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving his his wages. Um, he says, I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Um, in Matthew 9, he, he encourages us to pray for the Lord of the harvest because the the harvest is ready and it's just waiting on laborers to to step into the field. Um, So I think that's kind of our three big reasons. Um, Jesus commands us to do it. Uh, It fuels our growth and the growth of the church, and the world is ready for evangelism. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good.
0: Those all seem like really, really great reasons. Um, I'm pumped. I'm excited. Um, But also when I start to think about evangelism, you know, a little little not – Happen, you know comes up in my stomach um i'm sure that that happens for other people what are what are some just common roadblocks or common fears as it relates to evangelism
1: yeah so i'll um i'll share one um to start um just the fear of being awkward um and i i think like what i would say to that is Yes, uh, evangelism can be, is often, kind of at its core, is very awkward. Uh, there's there's not really a way around that. Um, I think that's a, a roadblock we just have to get over. Uh, it's not one we can kind of explain away. It's just, uh, we've talked about this, we talked about this in our, our series going through Matthew, talking about what are Jesus's people like. Um, and one of the things we talked about is jesus people are kind of weird um they do things that don't necessarily make sense just because they follow jesus um there's no way to uh so the analogy i used the other day was it's um it's kind of similar to dancing at a wedding like unless you're like a professional dancer who has all of the you know skills learned and honed there's no way to not awkwardly start dancing eventually you can get past the initial awkwardness and you can kind of be full on dancing and people can be like oh he's you know he's pretty good but when you like go from just standing still to starting to gyrate your body it always looks weird no matter how you do it until you're until you're no longer weird you just mm. have to be awkward until you're no longer awkward mm. and that's kind of the same way evangelism is mm. um, we see that in the new testament philip When Philip is evangelizing the Ethiopian eunuch, he starts by walking up to the chariot and saying, hey, what are you reading? And can I explain that to you as he climbs in the chariot? Mm. That's just weird, Mm. Um, but it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. What but, um, what if I can say? I mean, you said kind of like a, a knot forms in your stomach when mm. you start thinking about evangelism. What are some fears that you've run into? What are some roadblocks for you personally?
0: Yeah, I think um, I think the 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 awkwardness is is a real one. I, I think even thinking about just like just like an anxiousness or a fear of um how I'm going to be viewed um, almost. Because in some ways, our goal, we, we are, we're are—we're sharing good news about Jesus, but we're not just expecting that to be like, okay, yes, I believe it. Cool, moving on. Like in some ways, we're hoping to change someone's worldview. We're hoping to radically transform someone's life to what we think is, is the right beliefs and the right worldview. But I don't, with that comes a lot of weight. Um, it, it, it's not a light subject to... Kind of go up to someone and 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 be like, you really need Jesus. Like Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Obviously, we're not we're going to use better language than that, but but the goal is almost to transform someone's life, um, ultimately through the Spirit and, and God's God's work. Um, I think also for me, honestly, I've just been fueled this week, uh, even even by um, the other brothers and sisters that we had on Sunday is is just other things just get in the way just commitments um i let time pass by it's more comfortable to stay in my house and do this or do that than you know go broker a a, a conversation that's going to require some emotional investment some awkwardness um so time could be you know even even for the members of our church you know we have jobs we have spouses we have kids we have yard work we have housework we have anything and everything and so I was hit this weekend you know one one um way to to get away from a roadblock is it's really this really needs to be planned in um calendared in um a a consistent conversation between spouses um and then when we interact with the you know the the grocery store clerk at, at Publix and we ask how we can pray we we give them a short short bit of I love Jesus and and is there any way I can pray Um, there's roadblocks, um, but we can, we can, um, put aside time to, to make this happen.
1: Yeah. And I think something I would say maybe to both of those roadblocks, um, the first of the first of them, like this feels like a really weighty subject. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is essentially, and there's no way to like kind of casually communicate, unless you hear what I'm about to tell you, I think you're going to die mm. forever. Mm. Um, that is that is heavy. Um, and we find ways to, as winsomely as possible, but as urgently as possible, communicate, unless you hear this, I think you're headed for death and destruction. Because that's where I was headed until someone gave me this good news. Um, but maybe that's also the arousal that you need when you're tempted to just kind of get lost in the busyness and lay at home. And it's like, Oh, there's so many other things I could spend my time doing. Um, but what better way to occupy your time than proclaiming to people around you are who are currently headed towards death, that what they're doing is killing themselves. Mm. And unless they hear this, they're going to die. Um, that, I think that stokes kind of an urgency that maybe, makes some of those roadblocks start to seem like speed bumps instead of roadblocks. They're uncomfortable. Uh, you have to figure out how to get over them, but they're, they're well worth driving over to get where we're headed.
0: Mm, that's good. One thing, one thing that I've really appreciated, I know a number of us, the ladies and um, some of the, the residents and um, staff, have read through when, uh, when people are big and God is small. And Really, honestly, the biggest thing I took away from that book is almost just the title is recognizing that I often live with people being very big, people um, having uh, their opinions having a lot of weight on my life. And then when I kind of think about how I actually believe about God, he operates in a much smaller vein. But I want to see my fear of the Lord continue to grow. And then my um, view of people, not to diminish their value, but to people's opinions don't, don't carry as much weight, don't influence my heart as much. And I can go and, and tell them about this good news that has radically transformed me. So next question is is just to think through who is supposed to evangelize. Is it, um, you know, I feel like a historical way to think about this is, you know, just bring them to your pastor um, and and the pastor will will take care of it or just get them to a Sunday service and then they'll be able to hear who who exactly is supposed to evangelize.
1: Yeah, I think um Yeah, so I think that's a common misconception is like there's like anyone who's involved in professional ministry is supposed to evangelize um, and you just get them to the church and the church evangelizes them. I think we also have a common misconception within the church itself that there are um, quote unquote evangelists. Um, maybe, Maybe some of that is a helpful distinction, but thinking of guys like... Well, Billy Graham, he's an evangelist. Not every pastor is an evangelist. So evangelism, really the only ones on the hook for evangelism are people who are uniquely gifted in that way in leadership of the church. But I think probably the most faithful answer to the New Testament of who is supposed to evangelize would be everyone who's met Jesus. If you have encountered Jesus... You are supposed to evangelize That's what we see happen in the New Testament Maybe some of this is anecdotal But I think it's still true um, Andrew meets Jesus first thing he does is he goes and gets Peter uh, Philip meets Jesus The first thing he does is he goes and gets Nathaniel um, I think one of the most Powerful examples in the New Testament Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well um, She's not An Israelite She hasn't doesn't have any real reason To to follow Jesus and yet Jesus meets her where she is and she is utterly convinced that this is the Messiah this is the one that we've been waiting for um, it says that she runs back into town John chapter 4 she goes back into town um, she, kn- she and she tells everybody that she runs into I've found the Messiah he just told me everything about me um, he has to be the one we're looking for and it says many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony um so then the Samaritans come to him, they ask Jesus to stay with them for a few days, and then it says, And many more believed because of his word. This is the this is what evangelism is. It's us meeting Jesus, going to tell others about him, many believing on account of our testimony, and then many more being invited to come hear Jesus for themselves and believing because of what Jesus has how Jesus has met them.
0: Mm. That's so good. I was thinking about uh, Ephesians 4, uh, starting in verse 11, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. So there does seem to be some distinction between certain roles or offices or, or abilities that evangelists has put out. But then these five kind of groups are to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up uh, the body of Christ. And so almost maybe... Um, Maybe there are there are people set aside, and we'll talk about that more in a second. But that are that are uniquely gifted. But it seems to be that the call to all those who are more gifted in evangelism need to need to train others who are less gifted um, and maybe less passionate and, and help help guide them, um, guide them along. So is 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 the call to evangelism equal for every Christian, or are some particularly called? to evangelize more or less?
1: Um, It's a little bit tough to talk about that in kind of like equal weight of the calling. Um, I think if I had to answer like, what's the weight of calling for evangelism on every Christian, I would say yes. It's the same, same equal weight. All of us, because by the sheer fact that we have met Jesus, that we have encountered Jesus and he has transformed us, Bear, I think, an equal responsibility to to proclaim the good news. Um, there doesn't seem to be any mm, categorization when Jesus gives those commands to his disciples. Um, but I, I, think, to say does that happen in the same way for every Christian? I would say no. The way that we live out that calling is probably we live it out in different ways. Um, I think the the passage that you just referenced there. Um, can be helpful in thinking like we're we're gifted in different ways. Um, I don't know that necessarily means we have different offices or responsibility, but mm-hmm. maybe we just have different strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think primarily the place that I go to to answer that question of do we do it in the same way is to think about some of the like um, harvesting analogies that are used throughout the New Testament that. Um, the same person does not always plant, that waters, that harvests. Um, planting, watering, harvesting, those are all the work of evangelism, um, but they're, they're different facets of it. So yes, we're all called to evangelists, but some of us may be primarily those who put seeds in the ground or like we you know, kind of mentioned this past weekend, drop pebbles in shoes to kind of... Um, just be like an annoying little reminder um, that you can't quite shake. Um, Some of us may be those who are are really good at building and cultivating relationships that start to see some of that evangelistic fruit start to sprout. Um, And then others may be really good at for lack of a better term, closing the deal, um, right. bringing about the harvest, kind of bringing people to um, the end of themselves, to a to a breaking point where they're ready to surrender and follow Jesus. Um, so all of us, I think, we're, are equally called and given a responsibility to evangelism, but we all probably live that out in in unique ways as planters, waterers, and harvesters. Mm.
0: That's good. That's good, and definitely would would love, and I think we even saw this weekend um, an area you're gifted in is is evangelism, and you were able to lead out in that and and God guide, guide um, many of us along. And I think that's a, that's a beautiful picture of, and then hopefully more more of those guys will become um, more and more gifted, more and more passionate. So uh, last last question, but but what are some next steps uh, that we can take now? Um, as it relates to evangelism in a time that does feel a little bit unique with uh, coronavirus and um, physical distancing and some of those types of things.
1: Yeah, that's good. Um, So if you're a member of the church at Greer Station, I would say one very concrete next step you can take is come find either Aaron or I and ask when our next evangelism workshop is. Um, do exactly what we did this past weekend. Um, and, and that's a great next step for growing your personal evangelism. Um, for everybody listening, I would say next step is go meet your neighbors, um, have a find a way to cultivate a radar for people who are far from jesus because if you if if it's a conscious thought that's on your mind and you're looking for people who are far from jesus no matter where you live you will find them and you'll find them in your in your daily life and if you can't reorient the rhythms of your life until you do find yourself regularly around those who are far from jesus and then start conversations um Know the gospel well enough that you can get there from a variety of different conversations. Um, if your coworker is kind of complaining about how much the, the workday has sucked and how rude people have been to them, um, then you can you can kind of agree with them and say, yeah, the world is messed up. Um, coronavirus? Yeah. What, what the heck is going on with coronavirus? Why is the world the way that it is? Doesn't feel like it was supposed to be this way um what do you think the world was supposed to be like do you think there's any hope that the world gets fixed like Mm. what are we looking for what what would fix the problem um that's a great on-ramp into a gospel conversation right there um and if you're nervous about doing that right now when in a pandemic um when social distancing and and everyone's wearing masks like know that you will probably run into a little bit more standoffishness than usual. I think we learned that this past weekend. I I ran into more people that said not interested in talking than I probably ever have before percentage-wise, but um, there's no reason to stop trying. Mm -hmm. Even if you fail 50% of the time, um, have those conversations because the dangers posed from our neighbors never hearing the good news of Jesus is way more potent And the consequences are way more damaging than any threat that's posed by coronavirus, no matter how serious it is. Um, You don't have to take coronavirus lightly to still be able to say the threat posed by never hearing the gospel is way more significant.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Yeah, I think we need to we want to we want to get to know our neighbors. We want to have conversations. And honestly, one thing that I feel like I've learned from you, Bryce, is. We, one way to start doing this is we need to speak the gospel to each other, um, really to all people. Um, so in our, in our community group, specifically for our church, we, when we share sin struggles, we respond with the gospel. One of our brothers or sisters responds and, and tells us about who Jesus is. And we never get past that. And so then in evangelism, you know, whether a person just from the very get-go is like, oh, I'm a Christian. Uh, you don't need to share with me. We, we immediately want to share um, we we want to share Christ. We want to share the gospel, um, in any and all times. Bryce, thank you for joining me. Yeah, um, thanks we went, for having we, me. We went just a little over, I think, twenty six minutes. But I think we, uh, I think all this content was really helpful. I will say, we we now have. Um, Our evangelism workshop 101 and evangelism workshop 102 is what we're going to, I think, call it. Uh, Hopefully going forward, um, our next uh, kind of first step evangelism workshop will be September 13th. So if you missed uh, this past weekend, we'd love to have you join us on September 13th. Well, thank you for joining me again, Bryce, and thank you listeners, and we look forward to talking to you next time.
1: Yeah, looking forward to getting out there and just getting reps as all of us see our batting average slowly go up as we have more conversations and talk to more people and just take more and more hacks at it until we until we work it out.
0: I love it, and that's the only, the only way to, to improve is to keep trying and keep just getting up to the plate to, to take a swing. So thanks again.
1: Transcribe the